0: The creators at Grounded believe that brewing great coffee shouldn't be a shot in the dark, and we couldn't agree more. Use the coupon code Podcast for 10% off Grounded at groundedcoffeebook.com. Our friends at Map It Ford are hosting two events we think you might be interested in, how to map a successful career as a barista and how to map a successful career in business as a coffee roaster. Use the coupon code Podcast for 10% off your ticket. Remember, you can attend virtually. The following conversation is a living continuum that includes every link of the coffee value chain from before the sea to after the cup. I'm Jesse Hartman, and this is the Coffee Podcast.
1: Like, I really like drawing cats, and I like drawing cats in space. And some people could say <laughs> that's an easy thing to sell because other people really like cats and really like <laughs> space.
0: No, this is not the coffee and space series you've stumbled upon. This is an episode with Todd Purse, the man behind Brandy Wine's design at Brandy Wine Coffee Roasters, out there in Wilmington, Delaware. You may even be familiar with our episode that we've had with Todd to discuss his unique branding there at Brandywine Coffee Roasters, but this time we're here to go a little bit deeper into the topic of bag design. The main title of this episode and the following episode is, What Goes on the Bag? Part of our roasting series with a focus on design. We'll start off talking to Todd about what they have in the works. From there, we're going to go a little deeper into what makes good bag design.
1: We've got a couple big projects in the works in 2018 that I've really been working on and uh, putting a lot of time and effort into. That are things like launching a new website that has a little bit more uh, of a illustrative uh, to focus to match our bags and our gotcha. and our brand in general. A new wholesale portal for wholesale customers. Um, we just launched our uh, tea line, which we're really excited about. So nice. I've been putting a lot of work into the branding of all of, all of those. Fun new uh, goodies to give out to people. But yeah, so pretty much we've got to hire some more help in the production, roasting, and uh, general fulfillment area. So I get to refocus on doing what I love to do and what we've been really honored and kind of humbled by the response of or from.
0: <laughs> right on. So I, it, it sounds to me like you live and breathe uh, design in, in some fashion in your position. Uh, specifically towards coffee and it sounds like you're also doing tea um, here it sounds like a project that you have going on but you have been sort of doing the design thing not just bags I think I think we could look at, at Brandywine brandy wine and go wow the bags are kind of the central focus but I when, when I look at the brandy wine uh, brand that's you know on the website and every everywhere else you can kind of see it I see the the design flowing. Maybe it flowed from the bag. You would know better than me, but I see it throughout the company. So we're here to talk about coffee and bag design, but I think that you have a lot um, of reputation even outside of bag design. So we might talk about that just a little bit today.
1: Awesome. Thank you. That that means a lot to us. It's kind of one of the best things to hear. I really think it reflects not only uh, my approach to the design and the uh, kind of illustrative um, DIY aesthetic, but also that we're a really small team and we all kind of have the same aesthetic that we've, uh, and we like the same things as far as, you know, music and art and everything mm-hmm. else. So we're, we're kind of influenced and it really helps to have a uh, very singular voice as a small company that we can all... Like when I do a fun uh, fox design for a sticker, my uh, the people I work with get as excited as our customers or the coffee industry mm. does over it, and that helps a lot to really keep it concise. Nice.
0: So that, that's a that's a nice element. Maybe we will touch on that later too. Is is um, what does a team around design look like? Like who are the people? Um, you know, in putting information and ideas into that. But for now, let's, let's stick to the most simple question and we'll work our way around uh, to some different ones. The first question being, Todd, what do you think or what do you believe to be the most important element of great bag design?
1: Uh, that's a great question and something I've thought a lot about, not only from a coffee bag or packaging point of view, but from a design and, and artistic point of view a lot, sure. which I think kind of coincide as far as the the simplest answer i think it's the overall connection that you can make with that product or that that uh that piece of artwork when it meets that person and it kind of takes the uh combination of all the elements working together to make that happen so i really kind of feel like the, the most important overall element is just the uh The attention to detail and the kind of passion behind whatever the end result is. So, I don't think there's one thing that kind of makes a coffee bag. I think it's kind of different from brand to brand. And some brands, it's a beautiful touch like a woven label. Some brands, it's something that's uh, as small as a really concise kind of poetic mission statement. And I think all of these things are important. And for, uh, each brand, it's very important for them to go with what resonates not only uh, with their customers but with them themselves.
0: Got you. And <laughs> no, right on. I, I love the, I love the sort of deviation from. Uh, you could have easily said, "Well, what's really important is is a handcrafted design, you know, something that only Brandywine does." But you're really hitting a lot of points from even different uh, bags through throughout the industry. Um,
1: My background is completely in design and illustration and printing, and at no point whether I'm working for a excuse me a beer company or a local bakery or a skateboard company or any other industry, no one works in a vacuum and everybody's influenced by the other work around them and everybody right. kind of I think that's a very important part and kind of one of the most exciting parts of working in a community environment that the coffee industry is a great example of. So, I mean, I, just because a company is using aesthetic that's not my style, it's not that I don't love what they do. It's probably more along the lines that I can't even do what they do because it's just out <laughs> of my, uh, kind of out of my range. I have a very specific range that I uh, that I stay in. And I think that's also important to uh, keeping that consistent uh, voice throughout the sometimes I hate talking in marketing terms and like using yeah. these things like a consistent voice throughout the brand and things, but there's really no better vocabulary for it at this point, except for, you know, just making it all look like it's coming from one hive mind of a, uh, of an organization.
0: My next question is, it's kind of a strange question. And as I was thinking about things I we could talk about, this is something uh, that's come to my mind because I I have seen bags that I feel do not draw me to want to purchase them. If that makes sense, like <laughs> where, where the aesthetic really can have an effect on the purchaser. Right. And yeah. Absolutely. And so are there any, are there any things that you think um, certain bag designs uh, can have uh, that could, yeah, the way I put it, complicate sales? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that, um, coffee packaging or anything in, in, uh, the design world can really suffer from, I guess for, uh, the best term I can think of right now is an inauthenticity, so, uh, presenting something that you think is going to work really well in an industry without actually liking it yourself more mm. or less. Um, mm-hmm. something that's like a little less of a, this is what I believe in and what I think is the best, uh, aesthetic to put put forward and something more like, I think this is going to be really cool and going to sell really well. Like a great example, I think is if you look at a lot of, um, smaller artists, a lot of what they do is create custom products and some of them might be very cutesy and kind of like, you know, uh, some like I really like drawing cats, and I like drawing cats in space, and some people could <laughs> say that's an easy thing to sell because other people really like cats and really like <laughs> space. So if I was just drawing those cats in space because I thought that's what was going to sell, right. then it probably wouldn't go over too well. But since I'm doing it because I literally like when I sit down and pick up a pencil, that's what comes out, that's I think awesome. that communicates something, and I think people are, uh, adhere to that so. I think when brands kind of fail in the coffee industry or otherwise, it's when people either don't haven't defined their own voice or are trying to just kind of latch on to something else and, and be like, "Oh, this company is really successful, so we're going to make our bags look kind of like theirs, but you know, tweak it a little bit."
0: I see. Okay, so I, I'm kind of boiling that to, down to two things: uh, indecisiveness sounds like one of the things you touched yeah. on, and then um, to 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 kind of. It, not to be uh, or to be non-authentic or yes, uh, just to chase something because, oh, I think that's going to make me some money. Yeah, I think the consumer can pick up on that, whether or not it's like super conscious. Yeah,
1: and, and I don't think there's every instance is black and white. I'm sure, you know, uh, when a thought was had in one part of the world, it's usually been had 10 times in three other parts of the world. So I really think that there are instances where two people just have a really great idea for branding a coffee bag, and they both just come out around the same time. And then, like right. you said, you can tell when that's not the case. When somebody's kind of just, you know, they're they're mimicking or they're uh, they're being, like you said, inauthentic about it. And I feel like customers, whether it's the branding or even just the products inside the bag or the, whatever package uh, the industry uses, uh, Customers can pick up on that, and right. with the uh, avenues to sell things these days, you really that that customer connection is everything. I mean, most of our growth and our sales come from Instagram and things like social media communities, where again authenticity is really valued in those communities. And- for better or worse it's one it's a culture where at this point if you get kind of caught talking out of the other side of your mouth or proven to be inauthentic people really care about that right and i think that there can be uh more of a subconscious uh version of that through the branding or through the way you present your yourself or your product
0: so we we have talked about this, uh, so we, we've touched on it. We've kind of like touched it and, and ran away from it and touched it, <laughs> kind of like walk, <laughs> walking around the bush a little bit. Or, what is that called? Be- I'm horrible with idioms, so don't, don't even let me try. So, no, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, you know, roasters need, uh, they need design to sell their coffee. Do you believe design should be continuous throughout the brand? And my further, deeper portion of that question is how does Brandywine maintain the silk print craftiness throughout its brand?
1: Yeah, uh, I definitely think it's important to have a uh, consistent visual aesthetic as well as a a message that kind of, or uh, or values that run throughout the company. Um, I think it's a hard thing to achieve a lot of the time. um, And it's a million reasons why sometimes there's uh, too many chefs in the kitchen. Sometimes it can feel like there's too many opinions in one company and Things kind of get away from themselves and get kind of muddled. Um, and sometimes it can be kind of like I said before, where you just haven't defined what your voice is. So it's really hard to make a consistent voice throughout a company if you're not exactly sure what it is. And uh, speaking from the, our side, we, the way we try to continue that kind of crafty silkscreen style throughout the whole uh, brand is a few ways we... I mean, physically, we silkscreen all of our mailers now. That's one of the things that we just started doing. We make sure everything goes out in something that has been hand-printed, hand-stamped, hmm. touched, and made by a physical person. And uh, we kind of keep a very uh, old-school DIY ethos in the uh, office and print room and warehouse. So when we're looking at doing a new project, we say, okay— how can we produce most of this in-house to our own ability? So when we want to make like cupping notebooks for a, uh, for a package or a uh, um, special release that we're doing, instead of getting custom printed notebooks from somebody doing it off-site, we'll find blank notebooks, bring them in, design them and print them in-house. So there's some things we can't print in-house. We've done custom printed Sharpies recently, that type of stuff. I outsource to a local printer and work with them because there's some things that I'm just like, that's too cool not to have. And even though we can't <laughs> physically screen print it, I think something like a, uh, a Sharpie really represents our brand because when I do a lot of my work in just plain old Sharpies and I've been using them since I was as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, and yeah. they're obviously very u- ubiqu- ubiquitous throughout the uh, coffee industry. So it's, uh, things like that, that we try and make sure We can always tie it back to art in some way and to looking at what we do through an artistic lens. Uh, The Brandywine Valley or Brandywine name, we picked it because of the valley's artistic history and its history in physical printing and illustration and just its uh, its focus on aesthetic beauty in general.
0: Got you. So actually, that kind of takes me to a different place than I was going to go next, which is the local community, right? So you, you're in uh-huh. the Brandywine Valley. I've never been to Brandywine, so I can't speak for myself. But it sounds like if the community is an artistic community, and y'all's uh, y'all's brand, sorry, the Texas is coming out. Y'all's brand, oh, that's okay. <laughs> y'all's brand is is an art focus. I mean, y'all obviously love to be art focused, but it is an art focused, handcrafted sort of. Um, um, marketing angle. Uh, so, to, you know, that's just one way to say it, I suppose. But um, how is that local community in your branding? It, it, is it a different experience there in the Brandywine Valley than it is online? I imagine it is. And how does that play itself out, say, in the cafe setting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, there's definitely a different focus. Um, I'm going to start this with a little bit of a history and brandy wine. So we were founded by Elisa who, who opened a uh, coffee shop in 1993 and has been running coffee shops in Delaware since then pretty much and she wanted to start right. her own roasting company. That's how we started. So the coffee program that we run at those local proof haha cafes throughout Delaware they are set they're uh, packaged a little differently they're still available some of them online but for example the house blend there is called Smithbridge Road and that is one of the most beautiful roads in the Brandywine Valley with a covered bridge and just these beautiful hiking trails, and the drawing is of a very classic shot of that covered bridge, and it's something that the locals really connect. It's our number one selling uh, bag at any of the Brewer House, and at uh, Whole Foods, too. We're selling to Whole Foods within the Brandywine Valley now, and that local connection to that kind of local landmark has been really huge, and when we do, uh, so we still do limited releases for the Brew that are seasonal blends and they will all be very, uh, very neighborhood based. So we'll do one that's like uh, our Owl's Nest blend and that's a road on the other side of the Brandywine down towards a different cafe. So we kind of go through and try and pick our favorite back roads and do representations of them throughout the the um, different packages as well and, as yeah. kind of inviting the local people, the local customers, into our main roasting facility. To one, uh, we do some print workshops where people can come in and print their own coffee bags and kind of learn the screen printing process. Pretty awesome. We do uh, coffee and home brewing pro- uh, workshops and things like that. So we're trying to really embrace that history of art in the Brandywine Valley while also kind of presenting how artful and creative coffee has become since it started. And it's still a smaller representation of that style of coffee in our local area. So it's been really cool to see people get excited about the artwork and the coffee at the same
0: time. Local element is is something when I talk about design, it always kind of is like coming up very subtly in the background of a conversation. So I'm happy we're actually able to Talk specifically how how y'all interact with the community and how your brand is meaningful in that local setting. Because um, I, I do think that's an important element in a in a brand success in general. I'm not a brand expert, but um, that's been my and neither impression. am I. So <laughs>
1: don't, that's uh, I I have no actual formal training in marketing or branding. My I have an associate's degree in illustration, which is kind of the most useless degree you can get (laughs) and uh so so that's why when we've been talking i kind of stick to that message of authenticity and just doing Mm -hmm. what you know as a artist company owner whoever you are it playing a role in that company doing what you know is best and what you feel passionate about because that's been the only thing that's really worked for me in my uh, (laughs) 12 year design illustration career
0: (laughs) right on right on Well, Todd, Brandywine Coffee Roasters does collections and series. How does bag design play a role in that environment?
1: Yeah. um, So it plays a pretty important role. A lot of times we'll do a collection or series uh, because we want to do some extra packaging. And because we will. So that kind of works in one of two ways. Either our uh, head of coffee our green bean buyer, Vic, will come to me and say, hey, I have these three different processes from Costa Rica that are all beautiful. I want to do a process series. Can you start working on packaging? Here are some samples of the coffee and we go over tasting it. And Then I'll build a package around that. Or it will sometimes work where we're like, oh, we have these four stellar Kenyan coffees right now. Let's do consistent designs and then make a cool box to put them in with some other goodies and do uh, some pins or stickers or something like that something along those lines to kind of, uh, give a little more value to the package and excuse me. Um, it kind of, there's no real rhyme or reason to it. Um, a lot of times I will, if I know it's a Kenya season, for example, and I'm designing the bags, I will, uh, kind of try and pick a theme usually and stick within that theme for the series. So a lot of our stuff this year has been inspired by, uh, my son's adorable clothing. He's really into dinosaurs in space <laughs> and like has the best outfits ever. It's kind of a shame that they're not more available for adults. But uh, so <laughs> if you notice all of our Kenyan bags are dinosaur bags. Uh, that. So it's like, oh yeah, I love dinosaurs growing up and I would love to get back into drawing dinosaurs. Here's a great excuse to draw dinosaurs for a couple months <laughs> and like, you know, put something fun together. And it's been really cool. And the same type of thing. our new espresso program and blends are all very space themed and again it was kind of the same thing where i'm reading him all of these like kids space books and i'm like oh man i forgot just that like innocent curiosity that these things create and how much fun it is to put visual elements and do illustrations about stuff like that i've always worked a little bit fantastical or in the uh in, in the more abstract but it's fun to really dive in and be like okay we're drawing nothing but dinosaurs now. or We're right drawing on. nothing but UFOs now.
0: <laughs> right on. No, no, this is this is perfect because it. it uh, you know, my next question is: sometimes your bags seem to flirt with spontaneity. So I gave an example um, of of the Kenya uh, AA that you have. Um, I forget the image on it at the at the moment. And then it's I said, "Either a, br-
1: a Brontosaurus or a sleepy Triceratops."
0: It was the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but now you're saying it's not it's not so spontaneous. It's actually dinosaurs or Kenya. So there is a common thread. If I was paying closer attention, I probably would have caught that. Um, it's
1: very subtle, and it changes. So next year, Kenyans might not be dinosaurs. It might be, you know, you know something that I'm into when we start sourcing those coffees. So it kind of. There's some rhyme or reason, but not one that I think. I try to put little uh, kind of Easter eggs type things throughout so that people could pick up on it. But you know, you don't like the uh, another good example of that would be the Costa Rican Cumbres del Poas coffees we brought in they were a series of a kitty cat watching a volcano explode and you would never know that unless you bought all three and put them together oh, I see. so it's that's one cool. of those things where and then we sold them as a package so you could get all three bags and be like oh that makes a little comic almost and you know things like that that's so pretty cool i try to put little easter eggs in there but it's not something i really try i think it's important when you're working creative fields to not put too many limits on things so i tried to have open mindset when I'm sitting down to work on new ideas and just kind of let things flow out and be like, this is good. I'm going to run with it or that's going to the trash can.
0: (laughs) Nice. So, so is there a level like, like, like a range, a level of a range or freedom here that you think is ideal and maybe necessary for design?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I, I think that like, uh, not only, do brands need the room and designers and illustrators and everything need the room to grow and change? Because if you're stagnant and if I'm just drawing the same image or the same style of images on these bags all the time, if it's just kitty cats or it's just old back roads or, you know, these things that I love, I feel like it gets boring not only to the consumer, but to me, the creator. Cause I'm like, I've drawn this bridge nine times. I don't need to draw it again. I don't need, you know, right. I feel like that type of, uh, repetitivity is, um, you want your brand to have a consistent feel, but that doesn't mean that you need it to have a consistent look, if that makes sense. So if you look at our bags, you'll see some that are a little bit more realistic, might be like a, um, a person reading comics or listening to records that has a little bit more of a classic comic style feel. Mm -hmm. And then I go straight cartoony with the Kenya's and the dinosaurs and that style of thing. But I think you can always tell that it's done by the same hand and has that same aesthetic, that general aesthetic. So even though the style's changing a little bit, the content's changing, people still read that as, oh, it's a Brandywine bag. It's done by the same artist that's done all of their bags. And I think that not only the execution of the illustration style helps with that, but the screen printing and the fact that the same process is being used over and over again kind of drives it home without it being getting stale or getting to the point where it's, uh, getting repetitive.
0: Yeah. It's, it seemed to me that there's, you you could, I'm trying to think as like sort of a very dry business mind and say, Mm -hmm. well, there could be, if there's too much freedom, an issue with a message being communicated. But then I think on the art side, which I tend to be much more on that side of things, I think freedom for an artist is such an important element to their success. Um, absolutely.
1: Oh no, I, I completely agree. I think that uh, so as an artist, I set limitations on myself all the time. Even the way that I work in general is kind of like a limit. The uh, fact that I'm producing everything to be screen printed, that's an automatic limitation because I don't have full color ability. I can't do like fancy, uh, fancy, complicated gradients, or the lines can't be too small. The text can't be too much. I'm very small, like canvas size to work with, more or less. So all these limitations are very important for my creative process because it cuts out like when I sit down and stare at a blank piece of paper, I can't be like, I want this to be a 10 color, very intricately painted oil illustration because Mm -hmm. there's no way we can screen print that. I have to sit down and say, all right, whatever the message or the image that I want to communicate is going to be has to be dealt with and executed with two to three colors and then a black trap line over top or you know so i do think that limitations are important creativity creatively as well in certain in certain instances but like anything else those limitations are meant to be broken so i'm not saying you'll never see something that's not screen printed from brandy wine because there might be a project that i'm working on where i'm like you know what this has to be done on a, a risograph printer or a or a linoleum block cut print or like there might be at some point sometime where i'm like this project needs a different type of printing but i think that, th- that having that general limitation with the screen printing helps a lot and from a business mo- uh, standpoint i think it comes down to kind of defining your goals. Are you trying to run a very consistent, clean-cut brand that's going to always look the same and have a very uh, streamlined communication aesthetic, or are you trying to run something that's kind of fun and changes all the time? And it, I think it really kind of comes down to communicating what you what you want the message of your company to be. And there's room for all of those messages and aesthetics and brands and. There's some things that I look at where I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. That would be a, an awesome thing. And I just can't execute that style or gotcha. et cetera. So, yeah.
0: So we talked a lot about design and assuming assuming we have a good design down, uh, you know, theoretically you could just throw it on the retail shelf, hope it sells. Um, but what do you think are the key elements to success and say flaunting your roasting brand, right? Like there's all these outlets there's the local uh, outlet, there's social media. What do you think is kind of a core idea behind success and marketing your, your design?
1: Yeah, I definitely, I think there's uh, a lot to be said about all of those avenues. I think that social media is a great one to start with and uh, it's been amazing for us. Uh, we mainly use Instagram so I pretty much run the Instagram and I do that because I ran my personal Instagram and art, it's what I knew. So I felt like I could communicate genuinely and mm-hmm. and kind of foster a, a really good relationship with that community. And then I saw the, the, how big the coffee community was on Instagram and, and it really kind of focus most of our, so if we're doing like a promo or we're doing some sort of special release, all of the buildup and announcements are usually on Instagram. And then we still do email and Facebook and that type of thing, but it's always kind of a you're gonna get the full story from Instagram. And I think it's important yeah. to define when you're looking at all the options for social media and digital kind of communication with your uh, customer base or your audience. I think it's really important to define which one you can do best and which one most suits your message. And since we are a very visual company, Instagram always made the most sense. Like having a Twitter never really made sense to me. It still doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's even like Facebook and the way it's used is still, it's such a, it's a less powerful tool because I mean, if you talk to most branding people, Facebook is the most powerful tool because of the amount of data mining and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You just don't, we don't use that type of branding. I, I'm creating something that I love and that I hope other people love. And if they do, that's awesome. And if not, then we would be, in, we'd probably be having a very different conversation right, right now. <laughs> <laughs> so again, I think that uh, the most important part is just kind of putting that message out there, whether it's social media or local or uh, in grocery stores, wherever it is, just kind of putting the uh, perception that you genuinely feel is what accurately represents your company and what you want to be in the world, more or less, (laughs) even outside of a business uh, mindset.
0: Gotcha. So let's put this into an imaginary world for a second. Say I've just bought a roaster and all the equipment to bag my coffee and sell it. So I have everything I need to sell my coffee um, and I need to design the bag. So what would be your advice to me from a design perspective on the topic of what should go on my bag? And how would you approach that conversation? Or sort of how would you approach the brainstorming that needs to happen about that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, totally. I would start by just consuming as many different coffee bags in the industry as you can. Buy every roaster's bag that you can because the more that you can look at things and kind of it's less of making a list of what you like, but kind of a list of what you don't like. like you, when you're looking at these it. different brands, instead of being like, oh, I really like this aspect, I can use this for my brand, I like to look at them and be like, that's a really cool aspect, I can't use that for my brand because someone else is using it really well. And even if I did execute it, I probably couldn't do it as well as they are. And But then be like, oh, I don't like how they have this thing on their bag, I'm not going to do that. And just kind of really... Uh, basing what you put on your bag around what you, if you were the consumer, would want to see on there, whether that comes to the info on the bag as far as the varieties and process and the uh, producers and farm information, or if it's a mission statement. Because sometimes you get bags that have these beautiful mission statements where it's like, man, I wish I could write something like that. And then sometimes you get ones where it's like, that it sounds pretty canned. That sounds like they, uh, <laughs> then they hired somebody to... to to get some copy together here and yeah. you know, there's no right or wrong thing to put on the bag i really think it comes down to making a product that you're really happy with and then tweaking it as it goes we've tweaked our bags several times uh since we've always had the screen print we've always had the same style bag but we've tweaked uh like we use labels on the back now instead of screen printing because right. there was the amount of information we wanted to put on the back of the bags it wasn't really legible when we were screen printing it because we have such a small area to work with. Right. And when you're screen printing, you don't want to be using a nine point font or, you know, anything like that because it's mm-hmm. be smudgy and weird. So we went to printing labels and using really simple labels on the back of the bags, just so that the information, you still have a piece of art in your hands, but you also have the information that you want to see on the back of the bag.
0: I, I could definitely see that being a challenge. Yeah. To, to back to your point on being consistent in the design, I could see how that would be like, man. Like, how how do we how do we resolve that sort of thing? Yeah,
1: and sometimes it's about con- like I really didn't want to not silk-, silk screen the back of the bags and tried a million different things before we were like, okay, let's do labels. But uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, when you are when you're working with a product that's being consumed by people and you're getting a consistent feedback of, hey, these are great, like these are awesome, but. I, can you tell me, or and I would usually just email a link to the website and be like, here's all the information. But that's right. consume, You don't want to make your consumers do an extra step to obtain information that they're used to having. In the first place. Right. So, so at that point, it's like I would rather sacrifice a little bit of the aesthetic when I wasn't even happy with the way the aesthetic that was coming out to begin with. So it was easier mm-hmm. to sacrifice that. But yeah, you definitely have to be able to compromise and. Sometimes, there's been several things where I got really excited about a packaging product with VCR, and then in the actual trying to execute it, we were like, this is undoable, we can't, like, we could do it, but it would take forever type deal, and I have yeah. to we'll set that aside and, and, and let that go, because I want to make sure that the product that we're putting out there is the represents what we're about, but it's not gonna kill our team in-house to make it and produce it and you
0: know. For, form and function, right? Isn't that that's exactly. like the that's an architect thing. But I Absolutely. think you can carry that into almost every in, area of life. I completely form agree. And, yeah. So anyway, Todd, thank you for for sitting down with us and, and discussing the topic of, of back design. I know that a lot of our listeners um, are really interested in this conversation, especially those of our listeners who are interested in opening their own coffee shops and doing some branding of it, Maybe it's not even coffee shops and they're, and they're doing like subscription based things. And absolutely, um, so, uh, super helpful.
1: Sorry. The last thing I'd say about, about that and being helpful is never, uh, hesitate to reach out to a local illustrator or designer. There are people out there that mm. this is what they do. And like, it's funny, like, I know a lot of people have very strong, like, I want to run this side of my company, but it does help a lot, at least to get feedback from people who work in the industry. And this is what they live and breathe and the only thing they yeah. do. And I guarantee no matter how small of a talent you have, there is some awesome talent in there or someone locally would be able to help you out.
0: Yeah. And who doesn't like free coffee, right? So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well Todd, thank you so much for your time. Uh and uh yeah, we look forward to, to hanging out with you soon. Maybe we'll have to come out to Brandywine and do some of your uh your screen printing uh please do. That sounds fun. All right, Todd, Absolutely. thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. The coffee industry is such a fun industry. It's a uniquely expressive industry. And we've seen that with Todd Purse at Brandywine Coffee Roasters. If you haven't seen their bags, check them out at brandywinecoffeeroasters.com. Todd really kicked this conversation off really well. And I'm excited to go to part two with David from Department of Brewology to hear his side of what makes great bag design. And be sure to tune your ears really well to see where these two conversations overlap. The Coffee Podcast is produced by me, jesse hartman music is by michael parallax you can find his music at michaelparallax.com thanks for tuning in and as always and until next time happy brewing